Uh, Right now, I'd invite you to turn with me in your Bible to uh, Colossians chapter 2 or on your uh, church app. We have a church app that has all the different Bible passages as well. But Colossians chapter 2, chapter 3, and chapter 4 is where we're going to be today. And uh, I'm going to jump into that in just a few moments. And uh, next week, I want you to know, next week we'll return to our message series, Good News for Friendship. And uh, we have a couple more weeks in that message series, Good News for Friendship. Today is a little bit of a pause. It's more of a vision message, okay? And uh, we're going to take a moment here today to look back at where we've been over the past several years. And then more importantly, most of our time here today through Colossians 2, 3, and 4, well, we're going to look forward to what God has for us in these next few years to come. It was seven years ago that our pastors and our elder board and a strategic planning team got together and we prayed and we prayed and we planned and we dreamt about what the future world would look like for our church family. And out of a season of praying and dreaming, we came up with these five initiatives that we called From Here to There. And here's the logo for that and those five initiatives. Would you just raise your hand if you remember any part of that from those years, 2017 to 2022? See a number of hands raised. Uh, Maybe those who were here and don't remember it, I just failed to communicate it. But uh, if you're here, hopefully you you remember that. We have a lot of new people since then, thanks be to God. But this was our uh, number of initiatives over the course of five years that really brought us to the place that we are right now, helped us to develop the culture that we have today as a church, helped us develop the vision statement that we have, which we talk about so often, every person matters. And... In these five initiatives, I won't go through all of them right now, but let me just review a couple things. We recognized that at the time, back in 2017, we didn't have any long-term partnership for our church to to be involved with with, uh, some missions agency or some ministry across the world. We had a great partnership in Chicago. We had a number of missionaries overseas. We didn't have anything for our church to participate with in other places of the world where the gospel was going out. And so we developed this initiative, From Kearney to the World, in which we uh, developed a partnership with Compassion International and with a region in Colombia called Magange, and we started sending teams down to Magange, and over 350 of you uh, sponsored children in this region, and many of those children are still being sponsored today through Compassion International, helping kids move out of poverty into self-sufficiency in the name of Jesus. It's just a tremendous ministry. And we started sending teams down there, and we built a church down there in conjunction with the local pastor, and uh, funded the church and the the community center. It's just really, really powerful for building that into our culture. It's not just about what we're doing here, it's about the world. And it still is. And another one of the initiatives that we talked about a lot during those five years was from spiritual busyness to spiritual depth. And have you noticed in our culture and noticed even in our churches how much busyness we have and how it even permeates itself into the church such that sometimes in the church it's all about programs and busyness and moving from one thing to the next and three Bible studies here and another Bible study here and two services here and another service here and all of a sudden it's just like I have no time. 
And sometimes that sneaks into the church, and we noticed that some of that was sneaking into our church, and so we reconfigured some things and said, you know, we don't want busyness, we want spiritual depth. And so one of the things that we did was we built this 24-7 prayer room that many people in this church use on a regular basis, just right back here in this room, and there's a code that you can go to anytime, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and just sit in that prayer room and dwell with God, and there's a journal and a bunch of Bibles. It's a rich, rich place to meet with God, and here's a bunch of people praying over that area prior to breaking, breaking ground in that area, but it was toward this aim from busyness to depth. And maybe if you've been around over these past years, you've noticed how often our sermon series were related to these themes. Things like unhurry already, and dangerous prayers, and even the gospel and teachings that we do on Wednesday evenings, on the fourth Wednesday of the, of the month, they're all aimed at deepening us spiritually, growing our knowledge of the scriptures, our knowledge of the gospel, and how we would apply it to all of our, all of our lives. And that vision included a retirement of $1.1 million of debt that still remained on this building back at that time, which is completely retired today. And it included um, the building of a chapel space where our bilingual ministry is meeting right now. And it's a growing ministry with people from about a dozen different nations under Pastor Pablo's leadership. And our youth ministry meets there on Wednesday evenings. And our C20 college and young adult ministry meets there on Sunday evenings. And all of these things came together over those five years in such a way that our church really became a deeper, more outreach-oriented, more equipped church for discipleship across all of our lives. Now we completed those in 2022. And so for the past year or so, our staff and our elders have just been praying. God, what's next? Would you please speak to us? We are listening to you and we want to know what is next. And there's a certain temptation in the church or in businesses, whatever, just to develop a series of goals so you can put them on the wall and then kind of be done with it. And we really don't want to do that, so we said, Lord, please show us what it is you want us to go after over these coming years. And we're in a really great place for this because our building is, in a, is just in great shape. We don't have to do another building campaign. Can I get an Amen. Okay, everyone says amen to that, right? Yeah. Our building is in great, great shape right now, so that's not needed, and we're in a healthy place right now. And I would actually argue that the very best time to develop a great vision is out of health. Because it's when you're in a healthy place that you have freedom to focus on the things that matter the most. And so that's what we've been doing. We've just been praying and saying, God, would you please lead us in these years to come? And so one of the things that our staff did here this past June is our ministry staff went away for a two-day retreat down at Camp Kamika in Kozad, Nebraska. And together, we just prayed and we planned and we imagined the future and we dreamt together, God, would you please speak because we, your servants, are listening to you. And just by the way, that retreat center, Camp Kamika, is a wonderful place for you to go away personally and get a day of spiritual retreat. Have you ever taken a spiritual retreat day? Yep. Consider it. 
It's a great thing to be in a rhythm of constant renewal where we are growing with Christ. And sometimes the way you grow is getting out of the whirlwind of life and entering in for four or eight hours or even overnight to prayer and deep study and bringing out your journal and saying, God, how is it that you want me to grow right now? The unreflected life is not worth living, my friends. You gotta pause and you gotta reflect. Okay, all that's just a bonus. Let me come back to where I was. I do encourage it, and Camp Kamika is a great place to go for such a retreat. I, I do that a couple times a year. And it stimulates spiritual growth the way almost nothing else does. We have to step out of the business, busyness of our culture sometimes. So anyway, that's what we did as a staff team for two days. Went up to Camp Kamika and we prayed and we dreamed. And on uh, the morning of the second day, I went up to this spot on the hillside overlooking the, the river and there's this big beautiful cross just beyond those benches. And I just sat there for about an hour with my hands outstretched to God. And I prayed, God, would you please speak to us? Would you please lead us? And we had been talking about our discipleship pathway and what makes us unique as a church. And there was a great sense of synergy though, that we had as a team. And uh, have, you ever, have you read the book Boys in the Boat or watched the movie Boys in the Boat? Raise your hand if you have, anyone? Okay, if you haven't read that book, it's one of the, the very best books that you would ever read about teamwork. It's a great movie as well. I encourage you to consider that. It's one of the best books you'd ever read on teamwork. And there's a scene in Boys in the Boat where these six working class guys from rural Washington are in this boat together with their oars in hand and they're preparing for the 1936 Olympics in Berlin, Germany. And they learn how to all be in sync in such a way as their oars dip into the water all at precisely the right time that the way it's described in the book is the boat begins to fly across the water. They're that in sync. And that's what it felt like when we were there at Camp Kamika together as a ministry staff. We were like that level of synchronicity with each other, listening to, to the Lord together, and there I am on the hillside as we're trying to wrap up our time and conceptualize all that we've done, and I'm saying, God, would you please help us to hold on to what you have given us and lead us to, to the right goals for, for this coming year? And I'm telling you, in an hour that morning, as I was sitting on that hillside, I started to scribble down notes, and literally, I'm telling you, God gave me this. I don't say this often. There's only been a few times in my entire life that I was certain I heard from God and this is one of them and as I wrote in my journal these notes I went back to, to my room and just typed it all out and it reads like this by 2026 personal and community discipleship at Carney E. Free will get deeper it'll get deeper as 80% of adult Sunday morning attenders go through the rooted experience and 60% of our attenders join the mission inside or outside the church, we will then widen our reach by training and engaging 40% of E-free youth and adults in simple relational practices for confidently sharing the gospel and reproducing disciples. So I sat on that and I dwelt on it and it was like, God, I, I sense this is from you. But I happen to know there ain't no I in team. And I happen to know that if you want to go far, you can go together. 
But if you want to go fast, you can go alone. Let me say that again. If you want to go fast, you go alone. If you want to go far, you go together. And so I brought it back to, to our staff team, our ministry staff team, and uh, shared it with them and just said, what do you guys think? And I'll never forget what happened in this dingy little chapel where the air conditioning was broken and spilling on to the carpet. And in that room, after I shared that vision, one pastor said, Adrian, that connects all the dots of what we've been talking about and praying about for the past couple years. And another pastor I'm looking at right now started to clap. And a couple others in the room started to cry. And I started to cry. And it was this holy moment that all we could do was pray and thank God. Because we begged, speak, Lord, for we, your servants, are listening, and God spoke. Fast forward a week or so, I brought it back to our elder board. And to a man, each and every person on our elder board said, yeah, that's it. That's what we need to go after. And one of our elders said this, we've done some building projects in the past, and they've been really good for us, but this, Adrian, this is building up our people. This is building into what Jesus values the most. And so this is where we're going for for the next few years, and I want to just break it down for you. Of course, we'll do all the regular things that we've been doing, but this is kind of high-picture charter for for the next three years. It's called Rooted and Reproducing 2026, and it has three goals. Follow along with me, and we'll open up here to Colossians chapter 2. The first one is this, that 80% of us in our church body would participate in the Rooted experience. Now, we have a great head start on this, but because we started this this past fall, and over 900 people participated in the root experience this last fall. And many of us had like these aha moments where we realized I need to develop spiritual rhythms for my own personal spiritual growth, and we learned that through the rooted experience. Or through the rooted experience, we developed relationships well with other brothers or sisters that were really, really deep spiritually and grew us spiritually in the process. And I'm so grateful, though, that we have another opportunity for other folks to sign up for the very thing, same thing starting tomorrow, tomorrow or with their own life group to go through it uh, starting the, this week. Let your eyes sit here on Colossians chapter 2, and we'll see again and again how this vision, these three goals are so bathed in the scriptures. Colossians 2 verse 6 says this, So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him. Okay, it's not just enough to receive Christ, right? It's continuing to live your lives in him. Sometimes the church focuses so much on just believe, just believe. Friends, God doesn't want people who just believe. He wants disciples who continue to live their lives in him rooted and built up in the faith, strengthened in the faith as we were taught, overflowing with thankfulness. This is what God wants. It's a church of full-hearted men and women who are overflowing with thankfulness as we're being rooted and strengthened in the faith that we were taught. And we do this together in community. Like, you remember those redwood trees that I talked about all the time in the fall? 
Of course you do. You're like, Adrian, you've talked about him 19 times. Can you please stop talking about him? But it's a great metaphor. Like, how do these gigantic trees stand? The roots are intertwined with each other, right? And so we've been talking about this in our Good News for Friendship series. Because the roots are intertwined underneath the surface, these redwoods are able to stand. And so also when we have genuine Christian friendship with a couple other people, we are binded together and we are able to stand amidst all the weather and all the pounding of life. Like to show affection to your brothers and sisters in Christ, it intertwines you with those brothers and sisters we talked about a couple weeks ago. And as Jordan noted so brilliantly last Sunday, if you weren't here for last Sunday's message, you gotta listen to it, Jordan just nailed it. He talked about how in genuine Christian community, we recognize that we're all flawed. And we get frustrated with each other. And that's okay. We forgive each other because there's something more powerful that binds us together as brothers and sisters. It's the cross of Christ. And when we know these things, we get rooted down and we get intertwined with a few others in a rich community. We become like these strong redwoods that can't get knocked over by the harsh winds of life. Rude was the beginning of that. The rude experience was the beginning of that for a number of people in our church though this past fall, and I hope it will be for others though this winter. That's the first goal. The 80, maybe even 100% of our church well, would go through the rooted experience. The second one is this, that 60% of our church would find an area where they're consistently joining the mission in the church or through the church to the world. Okay, one of our key ideas in our discipleship pathway is join the mission. We believe that we have a doing kind of faith, not just a believing kind of faith, but a doing kind of faith. And so we join the mission to make a difference in the world that God has called us to. Many of us know Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. It is by grace you've been saved through faith, this not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not by any works so that no man may boast. You've been saved by grace, right? You've been saved by grace. But unfortunately, many of us stop there. The very next verse says, for you are God's workmanship. You are God's special creation, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God has prepared in advance that you would walk in them. In other words, you're saved by grace for good works. Say that with me. By grace for good works. So when people say, oh, I'm saved by grace and I'm good and I'll just go kind of 2-4, shut the door and I can do my thing from there. Oh, they've missed it. It's by grace for good works. And when we say join the mission, that's what we're talking about. We say, God, what is the mission that you would have me on to make a difference for your purposes for time and for eternity? And I delight to share well with our church that today we have some 50% of adults in our church who regularly have joined the mission in some way in the church or through the church to the broader community. This is amazing. Like I talk to other church, other, uh, church pastors all the time and uh, most churches have like maybe 20%. <laughs> we have about 50% that regularly have joined the mission in some area in the church or through the church. But just dream with me. What if we have 50% of adults and youth that join the mission in the church with children, with youth, with college, with bilingual, with 
life groups, with greeters, with ushers, whatever. Join the mission in the church. What if we had another 50% that joined the mission outside the church? What if we had another 50% who said, I'm gonna be empowered by my church to make a difference in my world, be it through Storehouse, or down at Emerson Elementary School with Kids Hope USA, or at Crossroads Rescue Mission, or E-Free Transit, or the Healthcare Clinic, or CASA, or Safe Center, any number of different places that God might lead you to based on your experiences and background, and in any of them you would say, I do this for Christ. It's the Lord Jesus Christ, though, that I am serving. Look at this in Colossians chapter three, verses 23 and 24. This is the, the idea that God has in mind for us as we would join his mission to make a difference in our little corner of the world. It says, whatever you do, whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as your reward, it is the Lord Christ that you are serving. And what if we just did this? I mean, we say, like, whatever mission God has called me to, in the church or through the church to my world, I do it for Christ. I don't do it for myself. I don't do it so that I get applause. I do it that God would get applauded. And I do it that other people would be helped as I serve him on the mission that he wants me to be on in my little corner of the world, I'm telling you, if that's what happened in this church, we would indeed become the light of the world here in central Nebraska. Friends, we would indeed become a city on the hill right here in central Nebraska, and we are indeed God's plan A for the world. That's the church, that's what the church is. It's God's plan A for the world. And friends, ours is not a sitting and believing faith, it's a doing faith. We get to practice what God has given to us and then make a difference in other people's lives, all for his honor and for his glory. What a gift uh, for us to be involved in such a mission. Sadly, sadly, so much of American Christianity has devolved into merely a consuming kind of faith. Come to church, get me some happy vibes, sing some happy sappy songs, leave a tip from time to time, and do my thing. That's not what God calls us to. That's not the church. The church is an other-centered organism that says, fill me, O God, that I might bring your blessings to others. Ours is a doing kind of faith, a practicing kind of faith. God doesn't just want bigger churches with more entertainment and happy programs for people to enjoy, what God wants is disciples who are deep in Christ and then grow these wide and strong branches that other people can swing on. That's what God wants, is churches that are deep and wide that are bringing the healing love of Christ to a broken world. 
all around us. You know what young people are, are longing for? I, I don't just hang out with people my own age. I hang out with young people. And you know what they're longing for? They want all-in authenticity. They don't want half-hearted discipleship. Young people that I talk to are not attracted to the faith of their parents when their parents are halfway into it. And they're not attracted to pastors who are not all in. And they're not attracted to youth leaders that are not all in. They are demanding all in authenticity and I'm so glad they are. Because this is the very thing that God wants and God expects that we would be all in for the gospel of Jesus Christ. That we would be after relationships that look like Christ. That we would be after good deeds that look like Christ. And that would lead us to good news, which sounds a whole lot like Christ Jesus, our Lord. And this is the third objective, which frankly I think will probably be the hardest objective for a number of different reasons, which we won't have time to get into all of today, but I'll share just a little bit. The objective is this, that at least 40% in our church, and I hope way, way, way more than that, but at least 40% of our church would be trained in relational practices for confidently sharing the gospel of Christ well with others though that we know. That we would lead others toward being disciples though themselves. We'd be able to reproduce disciples in this room and through this room, but because we're confident in the hope of the gospel message though that we are entrusted with. Friends, God so loves the world, right? God so loves the world, right? God so loves the world that he wants every single person that he's made in this world. God so loves the world that he wants us to be freed from shame. God so loves the world that he wants other people to be freed from shame. God so loves the world that he wants people to be freed from guilt. God so loves the world though that he wants people to be forgiven and to have purpose in life and he wants that for every person in the world and God so loves the world that he gives us this beautiful message that we would spread that message to the world. We're entrusted with this glorious message, the greatest message though this world has ever heard. And what God wants is to ignite Christ followers in his church who would bubble over with this hope such that we can't help but share it with those around us. And this is exactly what Paul is talking about here as he wraps up his letter in Colossians chapter four. Look at chapter four, verses two through six. And mind you, Paul is writing this from a jail cell because he wouldn't shut up about the gospel. And he says, pray for me that I would still keep being bold in the gospel. He doesn't say, oh, woe is me, I'm persecuted. That's weak. He's got the backbone that says, pray for me that I would keep being bold. Listen to what he writes. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. What if we did that? What if we devoted ourselves to prayer each and every day? God, who would you have me serve today? Who would you have me love today? 
Help me to be watchful and thankful for any opportunity you give me to serve or to love someone today. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too that, the, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the, the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. I know I'm in chains, but I don't care. Please pray for me that I would keep proclaiming it boldly. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should, he says, and then be wise. Here's the instruction that he gives for the church. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders, making the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Here's the deal. If our words are always gracious to everyone, no matter who they are, no matter whether we agree with them or disagree with them, we will have far more entree for the gospel than if our words are not gracious. If we're salty, if we're flavorful in the way we present the love of Christ, it becomes a magnetic power for drawing other people in. Like, don't miss the Apostle Paul's zeal here that we would likewise desire to proclaim the message that he is so excited to proclaim. To Paul, this is not the purview of a select few. This is for all of us in the church that God would give us this wonderful responsibility, this great gift that we get to be a part of proclaiming the message that he has given us that has so changed our lives. Now friends, there's a, there's a little bit of an elephant in the church that really needs to be addressed that's related to this passage. And it's this. Sometimes the church judges people rather than reaching out to people. Have you noticed? Sometimes the church judges people rather than just loving people where they are. And here's the deal. Nobody listens to someone who's judging them. When we judge someone, we can't reach out to them. Those two things can't go together at the same time. And so what God would invite us to is simply to love people where they are. Like, do you notice in this passage that I just read how much affection Paul has for people outside the church? Did you notice that? Pray that I would act wisely toward outsiders. Pray that we would all act wisely and lovingly toward outsiders, he's saying here. The simple truth is you will never look into the eyes of another human being that does not matter immensely to God. Every single person that you look into their eyes, they matter immensely to God, so much so that Jesus Christ died for them. And there's people all around us that God longs to touch through people like you and me. You have a specific style, you have a specific story that you're able to touch people that I'm never able to touch, and vice versa. From time to time, I'll talk to people who say, you know, I just don't have any zest for my faith anymore. And I've been in the church 20 or 30 years, but I just don't have any zest for my faith anymore. And sometimes, when I'm courageous, I ask them, when was the last time you shared your faith? And friends, 
If you're in a spot right now that you don't have a lot of zest for your faith or you're looking for a way for spiritual growth to happen quickly, start talking about your faith. Because we talk about what's most important to us. Whether it's the Huskers or the Chiefs or our family or whatever, we talk about what's most important to us. And as we equip ourselves to talk about the hope that we have in Christ, what happens is we get more passionate about the hope that we found in Christ. And I know this is difficult for many people to do, but we will grow in it together over the course of the next several years. And we recognize that this is a great gift, this beautiful drama that God invites us to be a part of, that the glorious message of Christ is not meant to stop with you and me. Amen? Amen. The glorious message of Christ is meant for our neighbors and our friends and our family because God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. He intends for our lives to count for time and for eternity. So what's it gonna be for you? Let me just ask you this question. Which of these three, I'll invite the band to come forward right now as we wrap up and we'll close out well with one final song and prayer but as the band comes forward, which of these three do you sense God is leading you to grow in right now? And we confess together that we'll all learn in each of these three areas together. And we'll come back to the church, and we'll keep being equipped by the church, but which of these three do you sense God is saying to you, I need to grow in that area? Maybe it's a relationship. You need to grow in relationships with others in the church through a rooted experience that would strengthen you spiritually through spiritual rhythms and through deeper Christian friendships. Maybe it's joining a mission, either in the church or through the church, that you act on the faith that's been entrusted to you. Or maybe it's even learning how to share the gospel message that's made such a difference in your life. We're not gonna teach people how to share the gospel message in a goofy way. We're not gonna, you know, ask you to take out a track and recite it to people. We're not going to do that. I'm going to teach you how to talk about it in a relational manner that honors other people and loves people right where they are. Which of these do you sense that God is leading you to grow in even now? Because friends, this is where God is leading our church. It's nothing flashy. It's not a big building program. It's getting back to the center of what Jesus called the church to 2,000 years ago. It's making disciples who make more disciples. It's giving away the message that we've been entrusted to hold. It's recognizing we have the greatest gift, the greatest message, the only living hope that this world has ever heard. And it's not just for us to consume, it's for us to give away. And as we give it away, guess what? We grow in it too. And so we say, Lord, speak. Speak to our hearts. For we, your servants, we are listening to you. What is it that you want for us, God, individually, as we would grow together corporately as a church in these coming years? Would you pray with me? Father, thank you. Thank you for leading our church. You've been so faithful to this church for 130 years. 
and you're so faithful to our church here in 2024. We praise you, God, for the leadership that you brought to this church. We thank you, Lord God, for every person in this room and the way you built up this church over these past years to bring us to this time and place. We thank you, God, that every person in this room matters. We thank you, God, that every person we meet today matters. We thank you, God, that we have a different message and a different vision than what is oftentimes spoken in this world. We have a message and a vision of hope and love. And we get to be difference makers for time and for eternity through the power of God who dwells in us as a church body. Thank you, God, we praise you. Thank you, Lord, though, that we get to be a part of such a vision as this. And we ask, Lord, though, that you would have your way in us. We love you, we confess our fears to you, we trust you for our future. And we thank you for where you've placed us right now to make a difference even today. We'll be careful as we go through these coming years to give you all glory and praise. All that we have is from you. Every gift that we have is from you. And so we give it back to you now. In Jesus' mighty name we pray together. God's people say, amen. Amen. amen.